0: Well, good morning. It is great to be with you again, Uh, particularly today. I recently had some opportunity to spend the morning and through lunch with Alex and see his new world, his new, I call it cinder block world. If you know what I'm talking about, if you've been over there in their church building, we're going to get that guy some drywall or something just to warm it up a little bit. But I'm just so encouraged. It was encouraged during the time with him just the faith that he and his family are demonstrating but also the faith you're demonstrating uh, those are never easy transitions and i know that personally uh, through experiences it's crazy to think it's already been over 10 years but uh a sunday those years ago uh, I'm getting confused because I'm remembering two Sundays. This Sunday, today, it's 21, 20, we're at 22 years from uh, when we planted Grace Community Church. That was the first Sunday in October. And so the Sunday before that, just like it was for the Moscosos last week, was our transition out of the only church we'd known into a new one uh, one week later, and then 10, 11 years ago to make that transition again to Orlando. So, so personally, we know what it's like to have those transitions. Uh, But we we also know the joy of being received and sending and then seeing those received. So I want to say on behalf of Metro Life Church, not only the elders, but the entire church family, thank you for receiving Christian and Megan and Tiago and Nora and their snake, whose name I'm forgetting. Uh, Personally, I'm not going to miss that one. But the other four uh, I will miss. Uh, but I'm grateful that through our partnership, we will remain connected, not merely because we're geographically close, but uh, we, we were praying first locally for Metro, but, but now, in God's providence and what He's doing in the partnership, uh, we really need Spanish speaking brothers and sisters. I can't explain it, but half of what Grace Partnership is right now is Spanish, it's Latin. And so I'm grateful that uh, though Christian and Megan are now here, I'll still have the privilege and and the partnership will still have the privilege of having uh, Christian and hopefully sometimes Megan along his side, uh, traveling to these places to serve, which he's been doing. And Lord willing, as soon as December, uh, he will do that, uh, accompany those of us who will be going to Columbia at that time. And so I'm grateful to God for that. Now, I I do want you to know uh, I find Christian's shirt a little tame this morning. So this may be a part of him that you don't know yet, but I, I trust he will spruce it up uh, for the family meeting. In fact, I know he will. He'll have no excuse. I don't know if they're still in boxes. He, he's a very tropical guy, very flamboyant with the shirt. So my youngest daughter, Ann, and I, we were at Ranjan last night, and uh, she saw this one, and we both thought, this is this is Toya. So I don't know what you're all wearing to the family meeting on Thursday night, but Christian will be wearing this bad boy right here. This is Christian Moscoso. I don't know what that is. Megan, am I right? This is, I mean, I don't know that you like it, but your husband does. But so, so Christian, uh, please, um, if uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it publicly, if you want an honorarium for coming to Columbia in December, then you wear this to the family meeting Wednesday night, not Thursday night. It's such a great shirt, he'll also wear it Thursday, so you'll get two days uh, out of it. Seriously, I've, uh, I've had the privilege to travel to, to four nations with Christian. Uh, we've spent time together serving in Ukraine, in Colombia, in Bolivia. I guess we weren't exactly serving in Germany, but we, we passed some time uh, together in Germany. This is a dear brother, and I could not be more thrilled for the gift you're receiving in both Christian and Megan and the days ahead. Uh, I'm also excited today because after the service, some of us have a a meeting for an upcoming missions trip uh, taking place to Casa de Esperanza in Caranavi, Bolivia. So your own Emily and Amanda, Maddie, Richard, and Timothy. I hope you're all going to make the lunch afterwards right here, as well as um, two friends from Metro Dave and Steve are here, and myself, so we're the team that's going down, and we'll be joined by a few other people uh, there, and uh, I think it's going to be a wonderful time. We leave, actually, from your parking lot, Lord willing, on Friday, October 29th at 1 p.m., and we'll make that drive down to Miami, take the flight, and, uh, and we'll get started. Uh, get started doing what? Well, primarily, because uh, we're all tile and ceramic people. Yeah, that's what we'll be doing primarily, um, using our tile and ceramic skills, but no, we'll be doing a number of things uh, just to continue to make improvements there at the orphanage. Pray for them. They they are in a constant pressure cooker there. Uh, it's, it's well known, it's no secret, that Casa de Esperanza is the most effectively run orphanage in the entire country of Bolivia. And so that in a way that isn't always favorable actually puts them on the government's radar and things are required of them that are not required of government-run orphanages. And uh, so that's part of what some of this work does and accomplishes. It it basically keeps the government uh, off the property, (laughs) if you will, uh, so that uh, they can continue to focus on what they're Called to at least one uh one of your travelers timothy might have a memory of what their kitchen used to be we'll get you pictures it's amazing uh over the summer months here in the states money was raised specifically to redo the kitchen unbeknownst to us and them some churches believers in the netherlands had it on their heart to care for that kitchen need and so when um, Fidel and his wife Chirito returned to Bolivia. They were greeted with the news that they had a twenty thousand dollar gift to completely cover the kitchen, which meant all the money that GP had raised could just keep moving to other projects uh, that are necessary there. So I'm eager to see that and get some pictures back uh, to you all. So, so that's that's part of our mission. I want to give you one picture from another country, Colombia, because you Trinity were a part of this. Last Sunday was the first Sunday. It's not going to look like much yet. They haven't had a chance to finish it. But those are two new air conditioning units in this little church, Sovereign Grace Church is its name in English, in in the neighborhood of Soledad, which is in Barranquilla, Colombia. If you recall, uh, we talked about that and, and some of your own. In fact, someone from this church who was visiting for the very first time the Sunday I shared that actually was a part of the giving that made this Possible and uh, it, the, the air conditioners were there. you may have seen those pictures when Tim and I were there, but it took when were we there June It took all summer for the electric company to get out there and and approve and do the wiring to make more voltage, whatever has to happen i 'm not an electrician, whatever need to happen to take small ones into big ones. well, last Sunday was their first Sunday service, like not sweating, and you 're a part of that, and so thank you so very much. So so we're on mission together. We're able to express care together. But Grace Partnerships also about equipping. Those are our three prongs, mission, equipping, and care. And I want to ask you, I'm, I'm almost begging you, and you'll understand why as I read this to you. Uh, next weekend in uh, Bogota, Colombia, there are currently three Grace Partnership churches, affiliated churches in the city of Bogota. It's a big city, so they're pretty spread out. Next weekend, we'll come together with... Um, Uh, some young leaders, and and this is the subject. I'm just going to read it to you as it was given to me. The doctrine and knowledge of the Scriptures as the source of the convictions that are the basis for our service to the Lord, all reflecting our love for God and the work of the Spirit in us. So that's my task next weekend. I would comment your prayers, and, and specifically for this reason. Tim and I were just chatting about this you know, we're, we're older. We've all been there, right? Convictions that we've held maybe in years past that by themselves were good convictions but weren't necessarily mandates for every single believer. You know what I mean? Where it, a, a preference, a practice, an idea that, that by itself is fine but not necessarily a mandate for everyone. So, so by the grace of God, I don't want to teach them things that are peripheral things. I don't want to offer them secondaries as if they're the primaries. And so I would, I would ask for and thank you in advance for your prayers for next weekend because we want to equip well and biblically, as Tim shared earlier. So far, all the words you've heard me say don't mean much. The ones that matter are Scriptures. And so that's what we want to bring to them next weekend. I would, uh, I would covet your prayers uh, for next Friday evening and all day Saturday in Bogota. Well, to the scriptures. Last year, after a post I shared about caring for the poor from Isaiah 58, a friend private messaged me and asked me when I started drinking the Kool Aid, when I became so woke. Nothing I like to hear more than that word ascribed to me, but it was surprising. A little shocking and ultimately saddening disappointing to to hear that that's how they were interpreting what i was saying well what was i saying i was talking about god's heart for the poor from isaiah 58 now i had an opportunity to meet and and, and he is a friend i had opportunity to sit down with him and look him in the eyes say brother i want to appeal to you that the kool-aid as you call it that i'm drinking from is holy scripture and i'd urge you to reconsider your use of the term "woke" and Kool Aid in that context, as we're going to see from Galatians two, as we've already heard read this morning, remembering the poor matters, and and, and I want to confess at the start here that uh, in this new role, as my time being full time director for Grace Partnership. Uh, it's different for me in preaching. I mean, oftentimes come and jump into the sermon series or whatever is going on local church. I do feel like now a lot of my messages are pertaining to the partnership, but, but I want you, if you will, to forget grace partnership right now and focus on Galatians chapter 2. And what is it God's saying? There's something very profound in verse 10. That after reviewing and rehearsing the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we heard read, and I encourage you, by the way, to read chapter one because that break is a very artificial one at verse one. But as you read that and set in context, after this meeting in Jerusalem where Paul preaches his gospel, which he wants to know with certainty. It's not his gospel, actually, but is the gospel. And when all the other apostles affirm that, indeed, he is preaching the gospel, they say to him, there's one thing we want you to do. Go out, get back to what you're doing, and remember the poor. So apparently they were woke and drinking the Kool-Aid, too. Remember the poor. Why? Because remembering the poor... Matters We have prayed, so let's dive into it. Only, verse 10, Galatians 2, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Now, let's just back up a little bit. The grand theme of Scripture, we know, is God's plan of salvation solely through the merits of Jesus Christ, as was shared. If you gave in the offering this morning, first, thank you. But you do know it added nothing to your salvation. It atoned for nothing. It accomplished nothing. It achieved nothing. That's simply a response of gratitude, faith, and obedience to what someone else accomplished for us, Jesus. If we're to be saved, if we're to be counted as righteous, it must be in Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. And I love the power of the gospel. Paul earlier we didn't have it read, but in chapter one, he talks about he, how he was not only an unbeliever, he was a violent persecutor of Christians. But before he was ever born, God already knew. I'm gonna call that man by name one day. Let that be your confidence, by the way, for your friends, for your family members, for your co-workers who aren't in Christ. Oh, if God has already marked them, it's only it's not an if, it's a when. It's a when, and when that moment happened for Paul, he was transformed, and now he's preaching this gospel. I say that to say this, context matters. From that gospel, implications flow. So when we read Galatians 2.10, they only said that I would remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. That's not some far-off, like, add-on. No, that's an, it's not the gospel itself, but it's an implication, it's an outworking of the gospel, if you will. It's one way we demonstrate the gospel. It's an implication for a believer, for a local church, and for that partnership I ask you to forget about for now. So we've had the context read. What's the big idea of Galatians? I love the ESV Study Bible on this particular section. I think they, they provide a great summary, so I'm just going to read it uh, as, as they stated. I think it, it is succinct and well stated. The ESV study Bible reads, like the rest of the Pauline letters, Galatians follows the conventions of letter writing in New Testament times. There is no initial thanksgiving, however, which indicates Paul's agitation. In fact, in the ESV, the word he uses is astonished, which indicates Paul's agitation and alarm over the theological situation in Galatia. Paul gets right to the point which is that the Galatians are in danger of turning to a different gospel, thereby risking the everlasting ruin of their souls. I, just let me insert right there. This is important. You know, we often wonder, ponder this question, can a Christian lose their salvation? What do you, what do you mean, ESV Study Bible, they're at risk of everlasting ruin of their souls? Now, we believe in sovereign grace. We believe that those who are called by name, Jesus said, "Not one will be taken from me what he 's talking about though is there there is a particular blasphemy or rejection he 's not talking about a, a Christian who struggles with sin, but to, but to, to to say at one point in our life that we believe in Jesus and, and, and his work alone for the forgiveness of our sin, and then to reject that to turn from that i i, I don 't profess to understand all the mystery of it, but that 's what he 's talking about you risk everlasting ruin of your soul to reject the only sacrifice that could ever pay for your sins. That's, that's his burden, that they're turning to another gospel, which is no gospel. In one way or another, everything in Galatians is related to Paul's defense of justification by faith alone. Now, the letter is very unified as you read through it, uh, there's there's these contrasts. There's true gospel, false gospel. There's faith, there's works. Law, grace, liberty, legalism, sonship, slavery, fruit of the spirit, desires of the flesh. They, they, these things flow through the letter, but they're all tied back to justification by faith alone. It's important. Paul didn't speak strongly on every issue. Paul wasn't outraged by every issue paul wasn't canceling on every issue and neither should we in fact we ought to reserve that for very few things in life i'm convinced the older i get but he was strong on this issue we are justified by faith alone or not at all now their context was they were returning to circumcision or a work for their salvation may not be the same issue for us, but any add on to the gospel makes it no gospel. Amen? Anything times zero is what? Zero. All the time. And that grieved and astonished Paul's heart that the Galatians who started in the gospel of grace have fallen prey to false teachers who sought to take them right back into the slavery of the law. The law isn't slavery because the law is bad. No, the law is good. The law is slavery because we're bad. We can't do it. It's impossible. It was grievous to Paul to think that that they thought it was possible to perfectly keep the law. No, there's no salvation by the law. We're justified and declared righteous by grace alone. A little more context. So Paul Paul himself wants to assure the Galatians that what he's preaching them is indeed the true gospel. Now, we, we know from... Church history, at least we think we know. And Paul has alluded to it in some ways that he may not have been the most eloquent. You know, we've all we've all done this. Um, I mean, it's been years, but uh, we used to have Creation Festival. Did any of you ever go to Creation? In Pennsylvania, like, yeah, why would you, like, why would we do that? We live in Florida. Uh, yeah, so you didn't, but I, I did, but do you ever used to go to the, the the Christian music festivals where there were more than one stage, you know, going on, maybe you did Rock the Universe or Night of Joy or whatever, and you had to choose because two bands were playing at the same time or close, you ever do that and, like, you chose one over the other, right? Why? Why did you do that? They're, they're better, <laughs> right? At least for you, you like them better, said the bulldog. In a way, in a way, that's what Paul was dealing with. And it's not a new thing. I mean, we've got, we've got that going on today. I mean, it's, it's okay to be honest. If you've got five Christian podcasts to choose from, and let's assume they're all preaching the gospel, there's going to be other factors that are going to determine which one you're going to choose. Maybe the time of day, maybe your schedule, or maybe you just like one better than the other. Paul was dealing with that. There were more eloquent speakers than him. They could hold the audience maybe a little better. Paul's saying, oh, Galatians, these guys have come in and you've bought it. Oh, they they may, as Charles Spurgeon's grandfather said, Looking at his grandson, you may preach the gospel better, but you do not preach a better gospel. In their case, it was, you're not even preaching the gospel. You just have the gift of gab. And you've taken people captive and taken them back. But Paul wants to assure them. So, this is what Tim read. He went to Jerusalem. It's been a decade and a half almost. And he goes... Before the apostles, if you read back in Galatians, you'll read that Paul had met some of them, the originals, if you will, the apostles in Jerusalem, but he had not met all of them from what we can surmise. Now, keep in mind the times they're in. I mean, they're not, you know, we have Zoom calls with pastors all over the world, literally. Grace Partnership about once a month, we do a Zoom call on a Friday morning, afternoon, and evening, depending upon what part of the world you live in. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Not an option for Paul. He had to go, literally go to Jerusalem. and, and basically what we can surmise is he preached the gospel he's preaching to the apostles in front. I mean, talk about, what do, you, what do you call that in university when you go and you have to present your paper before a thank you, thesis before a tribunal or your dissertation, yeah, in a sense, that's what he's doing before the guys. The bosses, if you will, earthly speaking. And they affirm him. They affirm him, which brings us to verse 10. They only asked us. Who's the us? Barnabas is with him. Timothy's with him. They only asked us, excuse me, Titus is with him, to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to to do. The NIV translates that. All they asked is that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I'd been eager to do all along. The Christian standard says they only asked that we would remember the poor, which I had made every effort to do. Ironically, it's most likely that Paul did not arrive in Jerusalem on this trip empty handed. He actually brought a financial gift to the church that had been collected from other churches because at that time, the church in Jerusalem was in a famine. So they're asking him to remember the very thing he had already demonstrated upon his arrival that he's doing, which is remembering the poor. So why does this matter? I've got a very simple mind, very simple brain. So passages like this, they intrigue me of anything at all the apostles could have said. So he's just proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's just proclaimed justification by faith alone. Paul, you've got it right. Now, as you go back, we want you to remember. What are they going to say? Could be anything. Remember the poor. Remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. Paul's entire earthly ministry was marked by a heart of care and compassion for the poor with a subsequent urging of the churches to follow his example. This is what he said to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so there'll be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Which again, we're not 100% positive, but it's most likely that gift came on this trip that we've just read about. Now let me give, if you allow me, the Aaron Philly paraphrase of First Corinthians 16, to 3 This is not talking about tithing. That's not what this is about. Apparently, what we can surmise is word is spread throughout the church is, hey, things are bad in Jerusalem. They're suffering. Now, that was like the mother church in a sense. That's where the gospel began. So in a sense, anyone who was a believer out there in the Gentile world had some some sense of indebtedness back to the church of Jerusalem because it was the church of Jerusalem that sent the gospel out. Now, it took persecution to get them on the move, but they got moving. Church got scattered. Seeds of the gospel were sown. And so there's a sense, it's not, don't misunderstand. It's not duty. It's not, it's not about that. But just a sense of, I'm indebted to them in love. It's because of their sacrifices the gospel came to us. And now they're the ones in need. And so Paul's saying, hey... It's going to be, oh, two months from now or so. I'll be rolling through town, okay? So let's do this. You just pray, make up your mind, and each each Sunday you show up at church, just go ahead and set that aside. That way when I come, we're not going to have the awkward moment where the lights dim. Who plays keys up here? Play them very soft, okay? Really soft because there's certain notes that make people more generous than other notes. All right, we need some blue light in here. Get the fog machine rolling, okay? And we're just going to wait on the Lord. Paul's saying, no, we're not doing any of that. You just pray, set it aside. That one I would come. We're not having fanfare. We're not taking 10 minutes at the end of the service to wait. No, just, just give as you've decided. And then, by the way, go ahead, pick two or three people from your congregation. They can come with me when we go to Jerusalem and bring the gift. That's what he's talking about. Now, a lot could be said a lot could be said and needs said for wisdom and discernment when it comes to programs and strategies for care we just last week tim and i along with phil course and we were in a meeting afternoon dinner meeting with a dear brother who's serving over in india and it was really not in a bad way it was a presentation of an opportunity and this is one of the things we're praying for wisdom for right now. There's more need, there's more opportunity than we have resource. So what do we need? We don't always need more money. We do need wisdom. Maybe we're not supposed to say yes to everything. We need the wisdom of God. You need that wisdom. You don't, you don't need to be in a meeting about an opportunity. I, I mean, it maybe isn't as prevalent in Titus so, but I know you have the same thing here as we have in Orlando. I mean, how many times in a week would you guess you're waiting at a red light intersection, getting off 95, waiting to turn, and someone is there with a sign? I mean, how many times a week? I'll tell you, I don't know how many times a week it is for me because it's just that many. And it's just, it's like part of the landscape. In fact, when we moved from Philly to here, that, that was something that we noticed. In the Northeast, homelessness and poverty is primarily relegated to the city. You're not out in the suburbs with people standing. Maybe they all came to Florida. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. But, but, you know, we live in Castleberry. You don't have to go downtown Orlando to see this. You can see it a mile from our house, a half mile from our house. And you've all been in that place, right? Sometimes you've given. Sometimes you haven't. Like, are they going to buy drugs? Are they going to buy this? Are they going to buy that? We need wisdom. We need discernment. There is a phenomenal book called When Helping Hurts. How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor and Yourself. It's written by Brian Fickert and Steve Corbett. Just Google when helping hurts and it'll pop up. Phenomenal book, wonderful book to help us discern and find wisdom and a way for me to not have to spend more time on that in this sermon. But we will, and this is my invitation to you to our 2022 partnership conference Mission matters. That's the theme. Mission matters. We're going to unpack these things in more detail there. But for our purposes this morning, the poor remember the poor. In Scripture, that word "poor," it, it, it encompasses a broader group of people than, than only financially poor. It certainly includes financially poor, but it includes more than that. It encompasses a range of people for whom life, for a variety of circumstances, is hard the financially poor, the orphan, which is what the missions team is going to focus on, the widow, the sick, the destitute, the abused, the rejected, the forgotten, the neglected, the abandoned. They they are in, in some form of poverty. And what is abundantly and strikingly clear from the testimony of Scripture is that God cares deeply for such as these. So just listen as we take a brief survey across the pages of Scripture. They don't need any interpretation. They speak for themselves, as it always does. From Leviticus, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Now, I actually witnessed that growing up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Not every farmer, but certain farmers in their fields, there would be left around the edge whatever they had grown. Just their way of symbolically remembering. I don't know if anybody came to pick it up, but there it was. Leviticus 19, do not pervert justice, do not show partiality to the poor. Or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Oh my, justice or fairness are missing in a broken, sin-tainted world. But we're called to impartiality. We're called to care for the downcast, whatever their reason. Leviticus 25, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are able to support themselves, help them as you would a foreigner and a stranger. I love the succinctness of Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Now, I didn't know it until after the fact. Recently while in La Paz, Bolivia, and I made a Facebook post about this little kid. I can't get this kid out of my heart. His name is Logan. He's seven. He's the man of the house. That's seven. He's got two younger brothers. One's just baby. And his mother, Maria. Logan tells his mother, he says, Mommy, we are four. We are four. We don't need five. And what he's communicating is we don't need dad. Logan witnessed his own father attempt to take his mother's life in his house. Well, Logan was not in school. This was back in July. Logan was not in school. It is school time in July in South America. Uh, He's not in school because he's out on the street selling chiclets and little packages of Kleenexes. You know, the little ones some of you have in your purses right now. He's selling the chiclets and the gum, both for Obliviano. Boliviano, uh, or roughly 17 cents. So there's a little, little store, a little market there, and I was there for a little while because I had a surgery and yada, yada, yada. But anyway, I see, I'm seeing him regularly, and I'm giving him 10 Bolivianos. It's $1. thirty, you know, and he's happy. Well, I feel led one morning to give 100 bolivianos. Now, I've been there enough to know, like, all right, look around, who's watching mom right now? Because it's not good for people to notice it, right? She's getting that. Well, first, Logan looks at me puzzled. He's looking in his little box among his monedas, his coins, to see if he has change for 100 bolivianos. He doesn't have change for 100 bolivianos. And I'm explaining to him, no, 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 It's This for you. It's for your family. And he runs over to his mom, who's like, just over there. And she starts to cry. Like, oh my, what what happened here? Just before I had come down the street, another man offered Maria 100 Bolivianos to take her children, to borrow her children for the day. For what? I don't know. But I'm pretty certain for nothing good. And she began to cry and we were able through my broken spanish to communicate don't you ever 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 give your children to someone who offers you that and was able to share through the broken spanish i think god put it on my heart to give that to you today so that you'd see a difference there are some who come to care there are some who come to harm Now, long story short, we got Maria connected to a ministry there in Bolivia. She's getting legal help now for free to come out from under her husband. uh, I put a post on Facebook, a family read about it, contacted me privately. They sent the funds for the rest of the school year's rent for Maria's apartment. And the deal was this. If you have the money for rent... Can Logan go to school? And she cried, yes, that's what I want. All right. So Logan's in school now. He's not selling Kleenex and chiclets. He's going to school now. And once a month, she has a meeting with this ministry, and they review things. And it's actually more than once a month. But that's the formal meeting, and that's when she receives what she needs for next month's rent. She didn't receive all that money up front. Uh, It's really not even about not trusting her. It's about creating a bridge to share the gospel. That's ultimately what we want our care to do in, in that partnership I'm not naming. Defend the weak. Defend the fatherless. Uphold. Rescue. Some of the most harmful theology I think I've ever heard is this. And it's very American. And what I'm about to say is not coming from a woke perspective, it's coming from a biblical one. This is about the worst line of theology I've ever heard you finish it for me god helps those who horrible theology because this entire love letter is telling us you can't help yourself that's why we have this because we can't help our it's very American, but very false. Helping ourselves is antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason God in love sent his one and only son to die in our place is because we cannot help ourselves. Now, that's true theologically, but sometimes for some people on the earth, physically speaking, it's true for them to, through no fault of their own. Nothing that's going on in Logan's life is his fault. He's the victim of somebody else. Who's going to go to him and say, good job, work hard? Seven. Now, whoever mocks the poor, Proverbs 17, shows contempt for their maker. You see, exploited, abandoned, neglected, abused, vulnerable people don't need to be told to pick up their bootstraps. They need compassion. Compassion. Now, again, we need wisdom. That's another message. But before that, they need compassion. Think about that. Here's a crazy verse to me from Proverbs 19. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. What? (laughs) And he'll reward them for what they've done. Think about that. When we, when we express care to the poor, we're giving to the Lord who needs nothing. The best the simple mind can make of that is, it's because he's their maker. And what we do for them, we do for him. Proverbs 21, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Now, what does that mean? Let's be clear. God does not ignore us because of our failures. If he did, there'd be no salvation. However, think biblically speaking, there, there is a measure, if you will, the idea being with the measure we use, one day that measure may come back on us. If we go through our life while we have plenty and continually ignore or even worse, mock those in need, and then some catastrophe strikes us and we find ourselves as the ones in need, we may find that the way we were treating others is the way we're then Treated. Now, confession, lest you get the wrong idea about me. I did have a wonderful Logan moment in La Paz, but I had another moment. There was this elderly lady also on the street almost every day, and she was clearly poor. But she had, I, the best I can describe it is like this shrill in her voice. Like, like she had some pitch, some noise that accompanied her voice that, honestly, confession, was just annoying, like, like fingers on a chalkboard, annoying. And worse, not from her, but from me, I was judging that voice, didn't even realize I was doing this at first, it was just so quick, I was judging her voice as inauthentic, fake, like, listen, I see you there, you already have my attention, I'm probably going to give you something if you'll just stop making that noise. Everything about my motive was shot through with judgment, arrogance, and assuming the worst about her in the sense of her voice. And this all came like the day after I had made that Facebook post and a couple people were like, thank you for your example. Thanks for your heart for the poor. (laughs) And you're like, oh, jeez, you don't even know. This is one ugly soul. I was showing partiality because you know Logan is seven and cute. You know what I mean? But yeah, that voice—any of you have that? Was your brother as annoying as mine growing up? Like I don't even know if we have felt. You don't even know where I'm going. You're all shaking your head. Love that. You're like, yeah. Like, wait, I didn't even finished. So I to tell you, but. You remember the felt on the top of your car, your parents' station wagon or wherever? I don't know how you are with that, but that little sound, those fingers on that, ah. Oh. and once my brother discovered that that would almost make me vomit, he was just committed to it, just devoted to it. That's what that sound was like for me from this woman. So I see Romans 7 like I see in every other area of my life. I see it true. I do care I do care for the poor, but I see another law at work in me. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm partial. Cute seven-year-old. So it brings us back to this moment in history when Paul finished this meeting. Remember the poor. Why? Because beyond a right proclamation of the gospel, there need be a demonstration of the gospel to a watching world for whom words may not make the difference. They may need to see something before they can hear something. Or as James would say, faith without works is dead. Religion that is pure and undefiled is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Well, how are we seeking to do that? And you're doing this, by the way, Trinity. How are we trying to apply Galatians 2.10 in our context? Well, first, through prayer. I've alluded to this. Oh, do we need wisdom? Time doesn't permit. I mean, I could, they would all be good, I think. I think Tim would think, I could rattle off to you right now opportunities in our partnership. And I wouldn't have enough time. The needs abound. So, we need wisdom. Prayers for wisdom, healing, compassion, clarity. The team that's going to go down to Casa, you're going to see this firsthand where you leave aware there's so much more to do. There's so much more I want to do. There's so much more we could do. And you're trying, well, which comes, it's like, which, which need is the priority here? We need wisdom. Thankfully, God owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He's already got it figured out. And he'll choose to give us whichever cattle he wants to give us to do our part. And others will do their part. It doesn't all fall on us. We need, we, need, we need prayers for wisdom. We need prayers for contentment to be okay when we can't do it all. Trinity, you can't meet every need in Titusville, which, by the way, is where this all starts. It doesn't start with a partnership. It starts right here in your local church, in your community. But Titusville's big enough. You can't do it all. And you know what? God's probably not asking you to do it all but he is asking you to do something. We need wisdom to know what? Investment. We remember through investment. Now, what do I mean by that specifically? Part of how we're praying within the partnership and seeking wisdom is, Lord, what are those things that we can give to that, that might need our financial investment now, but that, that will move toward a place of sustainability, self-sustainability? It's back to that when helping hurts. When you just keep doing it, No, you've got to find another way. Ah, if time permitted, so much more to tell you. Ideas, things, not only the work at the orphanage, but a project that's gonna be in the works in La Paz to help those university students who grew up at the orphanage but are now in a different phase of life and what that might look like. But the meeting Tim and I had last week, it was actually about that very thing. About starting micro businesses in India that are going to need a little help up front, but that in turn fund the next micro business and the next micro business and the next micro business. All by born again Christians, because you can't just go in on a missionary visa. Praise God, you're going to South Africa. You can't just go in on a missionary visa to India. You can't do it. You got to get in another way. And business is one of those ways. Lots more to say. We remember through service. Thanks for the lunch we're going to have, missions team, a little later today. And by the way, thank you. I know at least one of you, probably more in this church, because uh, up until literally Friday, I was the administrator of Grace Partnership. Oh, dear Jesus, please pray for that. That's a terrible idea. <sighs> it's a really bad idea. We, we just, did... actually, i going to tell you, this is such a great story. I think, of God's kindness and provision. So we hired an administrator, a six-month contract. It's just 30 hours a month. It's actually Kayla Corson, daughter of Phil Corson. I need to tell you, we're going to pay her $4,500, or peanuts, depending how you want to look at that. Friday night, my wife and I were out to dinner with a couple from Metro Life Church. Unbeknownst to us, they had a gift, $4,000 for the partnership. So we just, do we have the money? Can we commit this money? We need to commit this money. And just like that, God already turns around and I already got that covered. I already got it. One of you is supposed to give the other 500. That may or may not be a word of the Lord. (laughs) But I was, as administrator two weeks ago, I was going through the deposits and tracking all the paperwork for the missions team. And one of you gave a significantly generous gift to help people from your own church Go on that trip. What a beautiful picture. Like, hey, you know what? I don't know that I can make that trip right now, but I can come alongside my brothers and sisters who are going to make that trip. That's so beautiful. Thank you for that service. You're a part of that team, whether you physically go or not. We're doing that through relationship with various people. Again, time just doesn't fully permit. But I'll tell you about one of them Pierre Felix, Danielle Felix. If you come to the conference, you'll meet him. He's a pastor from Haiti. The needs in Haiti, are just, they're just off the charts. Like, where do you even begin? Needle in a haystack feeling. But Danielle and his wife, Marlene, they're on the ground. And I love this. Because, because of the support GP's already receiving, we didn't have to wave a flag and make an offering or anything. We didn't have to do any fanfare. We were just able to give out of the funds we have, specifically into the hands of Danielle and Marlene. And those pictures are on GP Facebook of the boxes of stuff that if you're supporting GP, you help make possible. Boxes of supplies that got on a mission plane to get on the ground in Jockmel just four days after the earthquake. Tents, water, non-perishable food items. May not sound like much, but to the people who receive them, made a world of difference. And it helps Marlene and Danielle be able to proclaim, proclaim, because they've had and seen a demonstration and the opportunities abound. But let me, before I transition to close here, just speak from my own self. You might have different reasons. What are reasons we might not remember? Anytime I see a scripture, we've got to consider the antithesis. Only they ask us to remember the poor. What about when I don't? What are my reasons? This is what I came up with for me. Sometimes I get indifferent to the poor. Particularly that illustration I told you about driving around. I I know when my daughter Ann and I drive home today, probably three or four times we'll encounter someone at the corner, a homeless vet, a this or that. What do I do? Don't do. Why that one? Why not that? You know. I just get indifferent. It reminds me of the starfish story. You remember that one? Little kid just trying to get a starfish back in the water, and the old man like, dude, what are you? Why? There's thousands of them you can't save them all yeah but i can save this one i get indifferent to that i get the size scope sheer magnitude of need can just shut me down it's just too much fatigue even donor fatigue we've done what we can but this one is i think lurking in me more often than i'd like to admit that i'm about to admit that's contempt Contempt. Maybe taken advantage of, maybe lied to. We feel like, really? That's how you're going to respond? Well, that's how you're going to respond. I remember, oh goodness, years ago, I was a college student. There was a group of us in Philly. This mother was just, I just need diapers. I just need diapers. she baby with her. just need diapers. And, and we were trying to apply wisdom in our own way then, and so we weren't just handing out cat. Oh, you need, you need diapers? Here's 20 bucks for it." No, we went into the CVS and bought her a box of diapers, and she seemed so thankful. You know, within an hour, we're walking by a park. She's literally selling diapers individually to ladies. And like, what the? You have those things happen. you just like, you know what? Forget it. So those are mine, indifference, fatigue, contempt. Maybe you have other reasons. But let's let Galatians 2.10 come alive in our souls. What's your part in your life, in your world here in Titusville? This is your Jerusalem. Now, the partnership, it does. It gets us to Samaria, if you will, in the ends of the earth. We can't do it all. We aren't asked to do it all, but we are asked to remember. And I just want to commend you, Trinity. You have remembered. I just want to encourage you to keep remembering, but you've remembered. Back in May in Ukraine, you remembered. There, I mean, literally, literally, a large part of the foundation of what will be the church building in Rivne, Ukraine, was made possible by your generosity. Trinity's generosity. Some of you gave large gifts. That's great. But you know what? We've been talking about this. We're praying for Grace Partnership. You've heard me say this before, I think. We're praying for 500 monthly supporters at $30 a month. Because you know what? I don't know a whole lot of people who can give $1,000 a month. I know a couple, and they are. But I know a whole lot of people who can do a dollar a day. And when their dollar a day is multiplied by that dollar and that dollar and that dollar and that dollar, all of a sudden... We start to see what's possible together in ways we could never do on our own so i'm not this may sound like why wouldn't you pray for a platoon of thousand dollar a month givers okay god i'm open to that but what i'm having faith for i'll be honest is is dollar a day givers because it makes such a difference and it keeps your local church prioritized not about taking from your local church to do something else no no But I realize every time I like, I really like Cafe Con Leches, and I found a new place in town, Foxtail in Winter Park that I really like, and I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but it's like six bucks for one. If I'm telling myself, I can buy two or three of those a week. Okay, Aaron. (laughs) Okay, Aaron, I'm not under law, I'm under grace, but Maybe I don't need as many cafe con leches as I think I need. Wow, that hurt to say out loud. Listen, let these words from Paul fill our ears as we close. It's a beautiful picture. You're doing this. You're doing this. May I encourage you to keep doing this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, which I think is shorthand for not with smoke, mirrors, keyboard, music, fog machines. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it's written, he has distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Friends, thank you. There's, I think, a GP logo. Many of you are already monthly supporters. Thank you. It's never too late to become one. And if Lord so moves on any of your hearts to do so, let me just say this as well. One of the questions Tim, Phil, and I get regularly is, hey, is there a specific need that I could pray about right now? The answer is always yes to that. But what I think long-term helps us more and is more sustainable and realistic is, is not for us to continually announce the needs, but as our, as our support base grows, you instead get to hear the stories of how those needs are being met. Because I do think donor fatigues, you can only wave the flag, right, so many times. We don't want to do that. We want to make a sustainable model. So thank you for doing that. But that's our heart. That's our prayer going forward. Uh, and so as Paul concludes in verse 15 of Second Corinthians 9, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And Trinity, thanks be to God for you because of the surpassing grace of God that's among you and upon you. Thanks for having me today.